Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 232. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me today is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak and Jesse Suggs. Hello. It's so exciting to be here. It is exciting to be here. Yeah, yeah it's a privilege. And Every, always exciting to have uh, Jesse or Jen join us. Mike was like, hey, I'll come on. And well, we're like, yeah, that's good. We'll have you back for sure. But is Jesse available? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mike will be on too. I, Maybe next month. Well, as soon as possible. I mean, he's, he's got a busy schedule too, but definitely want to get his perspective because in fact, one of the calls we were just on today, Jesse with Mike, he definitely has different perspectives than I think what most people would expect mm-hmm. to hear these mm-hmm. days, which is good. Always have good to have different, different ideas uh, being talked about and bantered. So yeah. All right. Let's head into story time. Jesse, you want to go first? You know, I do want to go first because I am still like, that worked out. I guys, Jen and I had the pleasure and honor to go to the Jeff Shore Leadership Summit in Austin, Texas. Uh, It was my first time going. And so it was really fun to kind of see all of the industry people and see the actual Jeff Shore experience that is different. And it's very like lights and theatrical. And it was just the best time. But I found out that Austin's like slang or like their little verbiage is keep Austin weird. That's right. I, I cannot agree more. Like that was the best. It's a weird, weird little town. Oh my gosh. Guys, I have to tell you about my experience. I'm not going to go into detail about any of them, but I first want to (laughs) say it started by me almost getting abducted. Okay. In the airport. That's weird. Super weird. Okay. Yeah. And you're not a, you're not a short, like tiny person to try to like hide. No, no, not physically take me and run off with me, but an oh, Uber. Okay. I guess I shouldn't really say companies, but a car service came up and was like, Hey, I'm here for you. And I was like, no, you're not. This isn't my car. Long story short. He's like, my car broke down. This is the one that I'm driving today. And I was like, okay, well, what's mm. my name? And he didn't know. And then That's he just smart, drove off. Smart thinking. Well, Man. I wasn't getting in there anyways. I mean, so Started off very uh, bizarre. Someone could have. Like, that sounds very believable, which is the point. That's I terrifying. Know. Yeah. And then one, you know, one person by themselves or someone that's in a rush or whatever. Uh, and then I <laughs> I get into my next one, which was a Tesla. And I did not even know how to open the door. I've never been in a Tesla before. So I didn't even know how to open the door. Then I get in it and I'm a little paranoid. I'm like, there's no door knob or latch to get out. Like they, I guess they have to let you out through the screen on the front. <laughs> I don't know. So it was very bizarre. I finally got there. Man. Let me just say we had the best time at the Jeff Shore Summit, but we spent a couple of hours in the downtown Austin emergency room. There are some serious characters out there. Uh, so that was, you know, an experience. We, we had an accident going to see the bats in Austin. So apparently they have the largest bat colony under this bridge. This sounds okay. like a, a 1980s like film, like a, like, like a adventures story? in babysitting is what I'm thinking yeah. of. Like you went to this conference training was had, yes, you, you learned right? things, but you also yeah. there was this alternate reality where you had what sounds like days on end of just 
crazy adventures and, and awesome. this is like four hours of time probably <laughs> yeah, like all this happened before you arrived to the to the venue huh i've uh, been to the jeff yeah. shore event before uh a couple times and i've never had any of those things happen to me so is it austin or is it jesse <laughs> That's I don't know. Jen was there too. So no, that's not, I really we'll, combined. We'll <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm telling yeah. you on the way to the emergency room, our Uber driver accidentally ran a red light. Another Uber driver pulled out a gun. Another Uber driver tried to give Jen wet wipes. It was just the most <laughs> bizarre the experience we have ever had. I don't think had. y'all should go anywhere. That's what I'm thinking. Oh my gosh. But now we have stories to tell. You so do. there's the story time. I learned lots from the leadership summit. I have a couple of big takeaways from that that I wanted to share. Yeah. But the first one was some interesting stats that they gave that pertain to the building industry. And so the first one said 62% of people would prefer to hand out parking tickets than to repeat themselves to a sales agent, which I was like, okay, I am a part of the 62%. Hand out parking tickets or be given parking tickets? Hand out parking tickets. I guess either way, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. They said 86% of buyers indicated that they're willing to spend more money for a great customer experience, which was pretty high. Like I, I wasn't expecting that percentage to be so high. Yeah, that, that was, and I've heard variations of that before. The word more obviously isn't very tangible. Like are we talking $10 more? Are we talking hundred grand more? How much more is that experience? But I think the, my favorite way I've ever heard that put was that every yeah. company has an experience tax. And it's just your price. Like if you walked into hmm. your sales meeting and said, hey, everyone, we're going to start charging an experience tax based upon our amazing customer experience we deliver, everyone would ride and say, we can't do that. You know, like it would be a line item on the contract. Customer experience is, is X amount. And the, yeah. and the point is, you, they might not be explicitly listed, but we're charging some premium because of the experience we're delivering. Yeah, it's, I kind of correlate it to like, I hate to say it, but like Target versus Walmart or Chick-fil-A versus McDonald's. Like I would rather yeah. sit in line at Chick-fil-A for 20 minutes than spend one minute in the line at McDonald's. And yeah. And let's so be clear, I McDonald's French fries are better, but it's <laughs> Honestly, not worth waiting are. in the line for. They, yeah, yeah, you well, can't get your I ice mean, cream either. The Chick-fil-A sauce though with the waffle fries. I mean, can't beat that. I don't know. Checkers don't fries. Know. We're, little tangent here. Yeah. Makes sense, you can do overdo anything, but McDonald's has better i i yeah better fries for sure even maybe even better milkshakes i mean cookies and cream is okay but depends that strawberry one though that's pretty good by the way wendy's strawberry strawberry um what do they call their frozen dairy treat it's not ice cream so they can't Uh, call it ice cream it's a frozen frosties Frosties, yes there's a strawberry frosty ignore that crap just keep driving They'll try to give Maybe you a free sample. Wendy's fries to dip in the frosty. Isn't that, that's what you're supposed to do. Not the strawberry one. It's pure death. Just avoid it. Sounds it sounds like death. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Pretty sure there's COVID in there. All right. Um, so what else? Anything else from Jeff Shore's event? Um, the last stat that I had that really kind of my mind was that only 15% of customers answered yes when asked if they valued their conversation with their sales rep. So like sitting in the model home, did they Mm -hmm. get anything out of the conversation by the time that they left? And only 15% of the people could say that they did. So lots of areas for improvement. Jeff said about that. Yeah. Like what, like the context around that. I mean, we had to be there to get the full like context and what, what his input was. But to me, my, I mean, for me, it's like, 
it's just I had I just have to talk to this person to get that house. If I could get the house, the, my personality. If I could get the house without having to talk to someone, I'm good. I'm good with it. But if the results better going through sales, which it probably is, then yeah, let me talk. I'll gladly talk to the person. But maybe it's yeah, who knows? Did they you have, did a uh, panel. time frame on when that was? Like I wonder during just the stress. It was like the past two years versus the two years, say moving forward, if no. that number would change. I don't think he gave a specific any parameters around that. Uh, gotcha. It was very general, but they did do a panel of people currently in the process or just purchased or just moved in their home. So like they had buyers people. at different stages. That's yeah. Nobody cool. that works in the industry and they got their perspective on their experience with their sales rep. Mm-hmm. And maybe because of the volume over the last couple of years or whatever it was, essentially all of them mentioned that they didn't have the best buyer experience and that's what they were looking for in their next search. Like that's what helped them determine where to go or who to talk to. So the whole thing was essentially about the customer experience and then how to also keep your employees happy to then have them give that good customer care to the customers that come in. Makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was such a a fun time. That'd be a fun panel. Like talk about these people in front of you, like, like yeah. being the, the buyers, like you get to talk about <laughs> under the stage lights, right? Yeah. Under if you're not used to lights. being in front of a, a group of people, I mean, there's almost yeah. 500 people there. And yeah. I, I was just listening to the stories of people who went, the number of people who said, I haven't been to one of these before. When you look at the social posts and the commentary it was really interesting. I mean, it's the largest event by far that he's ever um, put on. I think the venue space allowed for it, but, um, that's really exciting to hear so many people get exposed to that for the first time. Yeah, that's great. Definitely. Andrew, what do you got? Oh, mine's a quick one. Last night, oh, it was like nine o'clock, which I don't, I don't normally text people late at night. Like it just isn't a thing and I don't want to <laughs> like, like there's no one I need to talk to nine o'clock at night. I get a text message. I'm like, what the heck is this? And it's like, a marketing one. And it's from a service I used when we sold our house in 2014 to clean the roof. Hmm. And it's like, Hey, just following. And it was like generic, but it was written. It was written well, as far as like, Oh, did I miss his message? Did I accidentally delete this? And this is like a month late. I didn't reply. But I'm like, are you kidding me? This is eight years. So I'm like, thank you. Eight years later, I was, I was a little smart, but, um, <laughs> yeah. and then I opted out of it, but I was like, Oh, he just took his whole database from who knows when I was eight years ago, 2014 and just threw a bunch of messages up. It was nine. It was like nine 15 at night. I'm like, Oh gosh, imagine the opt outs. And no, it's the beauty right. of automation, Andrew. Yeah. You just throw it in the thing. There's and then it wrong works. He gets some sales. Just automate. He's tile concrete roof cleaning company. Talk about like a narrow, like a super narrow market. Uh, no pressure, all that stuff. I'm like, do you think people you like that? Doing? I, I want to let you get back to your point, but I also want to wonder about the salad. Do you think people like that legitimize the data that comes out of it? Like when they talk, when that person talks to their boss or another individual, yeah. are they like, I sent, I reached out to 10,000 people today or 200 people today. I don't know. My, my interpretation, well, because you didn't just to be clear. No, you, you annoyed a whole bunch of people and yeah. you reached out to like five. You got five, maybe my interpretation whenever it's like that, where it's obviously like roll your eyes out of like, who's even doing this? I assume it's like the owner. Cause it's, that's who did it. The last time I was like, he pulled up in his truck, like it was he, brand new truck, brand new equipment. Like it wasn't like low budget or anything, but like, he was just 
all right, let me try this thing out. I have all these numbers. Like, let's just have to text these, these people and see what happens. Like, he's not even thinking of, oh, I'm sure his account, like I know like in MailChimp, other the better ones, if you spam a bunch of people, essentially, they just will stop sending emails for you because no one's opted in. I hope I'm hoping whatever platform he uses did the same type of thing because you can't just blast a bunch of messages without being opted in, which was kind of like the point, like, hey, that could be conversations here coming up. How can mm -hmm. we get some conversations going? I think Mike has that article two, three years old now on like, here's a checklist of what to do if you're doing any text yeah. marketing. Yeah. Yeah. You need permission. And you need to know your target audience. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> like but eight years later. <laughs> on the other side of things, maybe you bought and sold another house since then. So, I yeah. mean, you never know. Get your roof. You cleaned. never know. I mean, we're, we're in Florida. They get dirty, I guess. Yeah. But it's also echoing of what I've heard you and Jen and, and Mike talk a lot about on calls that we're all on, which is you haven't earned the right for that. Mm -hmm. Like if you, you can't, you can't be surprised when there's a lack of response either because you haven't earned the right to, to do any of that stuff when you haven't followed up or stayed in, I mean, you're, it's the first time you've heard of them for, yeah. since 2014, right? Correct. Yeah. 2014. And it's probably a one-off or one-off or once every 10 year service anyways, or when you sell your house, this is what you do. But it's kind of that yeah. ick feeling like, okay, now I know that the industry has slowed down. Now you want to kind of yeah. pay attention to me as a consumer. <laughs> it's like, why weren't you communicating with me before if you cared about my business? Yeah. For buyers this year, like, hey, <laughs> I reached out late last year. Now you want to talk to me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Forget I, you. I think that's one of my LinkedIn posts that I put up today. It's just one of the points of, of companies that we're seeing to have success right now as builders. But to me, it's still, we could do a whole other podcast on this, but I'll, I'll keep it brief. You know, automating items with low value to the customer is a bad idea, but that's usually where the idea of automation comes about internally within organizations is because it's an employee who says, I don't want to do this anymore. This is annoying. This is frustrating to me. This causes friction. And there's almost a, a lack of awareness that sometimes it's that friction that created the reason for your hiring in the first place. And that's the val that is the actual value that you can provide. Mm -hmm. but instead uh, someone hears enough of that and they go, okay, well, what do you want to do? And, and the employee wants to automate it, not because the customer finds uh, low value in it, but because they find low value in that activity. So you always, whenever yeah. you're thinking about automation, which we are all for, we use it uh, daily, hourly at DU Convert yep. with our, with our builders and, and how we help them manage their advertising. But if from the perspective of the customer, you think about a chat, a request for information, any form of, I'm reaching out to you. I'm maybe nervous. This taken a while leading up to this point. I maybe to Andrew's point, don't even want to interact with you, but I feel yeah. there's a need to do so. And then if the first thing I hit is automation, you are communicating to that person. You are not important to us. Mm -hmm. You're not worthy. And that's just a terrible thing to do in any market. You could, you could argue about it with a bandwidth in a great market. Although I think even those people nice. would say, if I could go back in time and just treated more of those people better, uh, maybe my current reality wouldn't be as tough for me right now either. Yeah. If I just acted more human and had more real conversations with people. So but yeah, it's just, appropriate automation, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, when does it make sense? And yeah. when it comes from specifically online sales, of course, that's what I'm going to talk about. But when it comes from online sales, it still needs to look one-to-one. -one. It still needs to look personal. It still needs to say their name. After that, based on 
open rates, responses, that's when you do the personal phone calls, video emails, text messages. So you have to make smart lists Mm -hmm. and don't willy nilly it. Yeah. But most Mm -hmm. of the, and I agree, I, I completely agree with what you just said. And yet most examples of online sales automation that we see, uh, people can say they're being personalized by saying their name. But if it if it ends with an open-ended general question, again, putting ourselves in a customer's yeah. shoes, if the end of any great AI interaction is, so tell me a little bit more about blah, blah, blah. Like that's not how anyone, if it's just general, like are you in the market for a home? When's your time frame for moving? I still think as customers, we can generally sniff that stuff out very quickly mm-hmm. and be like, mm-hmm. yeah, no. The, and, and again, that makes it even worse. I saw someone go on a Twitter rampage about, why do so many chatbots, et cetera, have like a female tone or name associated with it? And maybe there's some nefarious reason for doing so. And, and there may be, my, my take was just that generally uh, women prefer to do business with women and men slightly prefer doing business with women uh, in, in our industry. But also just the idea of trying to make any of that automation seem human, it, it is a, like, if you don't do it perfect, you're doing it badly, most likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, you, you can't just take a list of the people who are interested, even in one community. Like yeah. maybe you've narrowed it down to prospects in one community, but if you've had a conversation with them about a price point and now you're marketing them or emailing them about a home that's 50000 or $100,000 over what they told you, that's not appropriate to send them. Mm-hmm. And that's where we mess up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I love automation. Not that says this is the only person worth reaching out to based upon a lead score. I think everyone knows how I feel about lead scoring generally, but the idea of saying, here's the best 10 that if you have an extra 30 minutes to do something personal with are the best ones to do that with on top of your normal follow-up and and long-term follow-up and everything else. I think that's where AI has the best use case for online sales right now is just saying, these are the pool of people that are worth some extra love and attention. Mm-hmm. But just like with advertising where, Andrew, we, we say always take your your targeted geography and just go slightly beyond that mm-hmm. because the AI is going to pick the best people. It's not going to say, oh, you just added 50,000 more people to the yeah, target market. Let's get some random in there. Send it to all of them. It's going to pick the best out of that extra 50. I think the same thing. The AI shouldn't be trying to say, here's the one person to call right now. It should be saying, here's a basket of people and on the fringes, there's just going to be incremental results that are that are better. Anyway, yeah, agree. Which ones do I want to talk about now? Because I feel like oh. we've talked too long. So, first thing, just quickly, I heard someone that I respect say this in the investing world, and I agree with it completely. He said, "Filter failure is why most people fail, not due to lack of information." And what he meant by that is, hmm. there's no lack of of information out there. We're, we are in an information overload setting. Failure comes from not having good filters to understand what is worth paying attention to and listening to and valuing and what is not. And it struck me just a little bit differently because when I was new to this industry, there was very little publicly available data because the internet was still trying to figure out, like we had websites, but most builders didn't have pricing, might've had a map. I know, I know it sounds ancient, but it was 19, uh, or sorry, 2003. It was a map. Yeah. Map quest. So I'm yeah. not trying to disparage anyone who was doing training or coaching or putting out great free content. I just didn't know where to get it for like six years until really uh, Myers and, and Mike, uh, I saw them at the show and started paying attention. So it might've been there, but I'm just saying the amount of information 
that can be overloaded around what's going on now is at an oh. all-time high. Yeah. And that inability to, especially if you're new or younger or don't have a lot of experience, it's easy to have filter failure where you're listening to a particular voice. And so let me put it in context. No one misunderstands uh, what I'm trying to say. If I was uh, 23 years old right now, I would listen to about 75% of what Kevin says. Me. That's it. Because I've only been through two and a half complete cycles of this business. You know, you want to try to find people who are your points of filter and points of reference that one are truthful always, even when it's not to their benefit. And second, have been around a long time and are continually successful. So someone who has success in a single business cycle at a single company has a batting average of 25%. That's a great batting average, I think. I don't, I'm not really a baseball fan, but in terms of who should be your filter, and that's the reason I'm talking about this at such great lengths is sometimes people are surprised or uncertain about where I'm coming from when I'm talking or sharing thoughts on a perspective. And I think unconsciously because of this concept of filter failure and wanting to try to earn the right to be a filter for, for some of you is my focus is always entirely on what is best for the home building companies that Mm -hmm. are paying attention to what we're saying. And that means that at times companies who offer advertising services love what I'm saying. And at times they disagree with what I'm saying. And that's why automation companies at times love what I'm saying and at times disagree with what I'm saying. And for sure. For me, even it's frustrating at times where they'll hear a comment or someone will send me something that someone else has said, and it'll throw me off base a little bit and get in your head for half a second. And then I'm like, wait a minute, are they a home building company? Hmm. No. Okay. Well, that that's not who I'm trying to be a filter for. I'm not trying to create my value only increases when I become a better filter for home builders and developers, hmm. not yeah. for contractors or other people. I, we, we love that you all listen to the show and I love the feedback when you give me the thumbs up. But when, I, when I'm saying something that you don't agree with, it's not to be controversial or personal to anyone listening. It's to try to, to filter out for the home building entity. And even back in March of 2020, when Mike and I did the webinar series for NHB, I mean, we had 3,000 people coming on a webinar. And I'm telling people back then, hey, we don't know which way this is going to go. It seems that it's not going to be as bad. But also, there is zero reason to double your ad spend, which is what some people were suggesting or dramatically increase it as someone who works on digital marketing, that would have been to my benefit. But what I said is we don't know where this is going to go. You should pull 30, 35% off the table. So if it, if you need to overspend on ad ads down the line, you've got the resources to do it. That wasn't really beneficial to me then anyway. So that's the concept filter failure. Uh, I'm sure you can Google it, find other better written articles, but that's where we come from always. It's never, never personal. And then the other thing, which is really fun to talk through is two of our calls with builders were just amazing. First, one of our builders in Austin, Texas is starting to really get momentum. And housing is one of the things that often we see signs of recession first. It takes us into recession and it leads us out. I feel like Boise, Austin markets in particular might be also examples of, you know, they were some of the first markets to say back in May, whoa, you know, this is slowing quickly. And so I get on the call with this builder and I say, hey, you're on the you're on the front line of the front line. Can't wait to hear what's going on. And he's like, actually, you know, we're selling homes 
like a lot of homes, we've got a lot of positive momentum on appointments being scheduled and we're feeling great. It's awesome. I was like, that's, that's great. So of course I also said, I'll Jeff Shore, tell me more about that. What's the reason? <laughs> What's the cause? And this is a builder who previously was advertising interest rates as low as 3.875. And they have a promotion uh, that they are advertising now talking about adjusting their pricing to be market-based and, and to, to be more relevant to the market. And the sales manager and the marketing manager were talking about how do we want to extend this promotion? What do we want to really make sure we continue to talk about? And the sales manager said what, something that we've been telling builders was our perspective for a long time now is, you know what? Interest rate just makes people's eyes roll over. Like when our sales team's interacting with someone who's early in the process or a new traffic unit or appointment, and we just dive into interest rates and this and that and comparing how we're better. And it's like, they're just, you can see they're emotionally yeah. like a oh, shell of, what, of the excitement like, so level they cost me? when yeah. they came in. So they're just going to continue to talk about that pricing and keep uh, any interest rate stuff in the back pocket. I thought that was interesting. So they're having more success now than um, advertising something more tangible to consumers than, than financing. And then the other thing was a builder that we work with in the Carolinas who just had their best month since February in sales. Awesome. And I, there was a sales manager, an owner, and a marketing manager on the call. And I don't remember who said it, but I said, okay, tell me about that. I mean, we saw the data was good on, on online and leads and appointments and all that, but tell me about what happened. And someone on the call started to say, well, it was the first time we had a promotion in a long time. And before their sentence was done, the owner said, it didn't have to do with the promotion. And I was like, oh, okay, this is getting a little tense. What okay, is, okay. The, okay. The promotion was not nothing to write home about. It wasn't huge percentages off, but you know, when they, and then this, everyone agreed probably because it was the owner, but hopefully also because it was, it was truth. We just needed to give the sales team an excuse to pick up the phone and have conversations with people. And it wasn't the size of the, of the incentive that made the difference. It was giving sales, our sales team an excuse to reconnect because they reason just rusty. I'd assume I've never been in sales, but I did way back when I did some sales. If you have a reason for me, at least it's so easy to pick up the phone, like mm -hmm. the resistance to pick up the phone. I'm sure there's a magical word for it. Call resistance. I don't know. <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> that's a pretty boring word. Like, Oh, I have something to lead with. It's not like, well, yeah. Hey, I, I don't know where this conversation is going to go. It's like, I know exactly where I'm taking it. I'm in charge. I'm in control. I have confidence. I have certainty on what I'm going to say, all these things. So you I think do it. Jesse, your perspective would be good on this, but, but I, I feel yes. like it has a lot to do with, what we talked about before, if you haven't been in regular contact, just showing up out of the blue without a purpose or an excuse to have the conversation feels like the text message that Andrew got yesterday at yeah. 9 PM. Right. Mm -hmm. So weird. Maybe that's the resistance that is pushed through when you feel like you've been given something tangible to offer as a reason to have that conversation. What do you think? I don't think customers are looking necessarily for an incentive. And I know that sounds crazy. Like they're not waiting for an incentive. They're waiting for a professional to come to them and tell them mm. their best next step from a very proactive standpoint. And so online sales should never lead with an incentive. Like that's never the purpose of a call. But it is something you can keep in your back pocket in case you, you know, freeze up. Or like you said, Andrew, it just gives you that little bit of confidence. Like I have something that I can contribute to this customer by the time I'm done yeah. with the call. Because there's nothing more deflating than getting on a call and not providing some piece of value 
whether it's an email or a call or a text or a video email, whatever it is, the purpose of online sales or sales in general with communication should never be for the benefit of the sales associate. It should be for the benefit of the customer that you're providing something to them. And then in turn, they will choose you because you were looking out for them. Does that make sense? It's beauty. It's beauty. Kevin, did you, did you say what it was that they called about? I'm not sure if you, you know, to, it, I think I don't even know. Point. Actually the, that call oh. led quickly into, okay, so what excuse are we giving them in August to continue calling? And here's mm-hmm. the easy one. When you have momentum, you use the momentum. So yeah, what's the reason one. to call everyone? You, you know, we just had our best month ever since February. What housing slowdown? Our buyers are excited. We've yeah. got tremendous value, right? There, there's all the reason you need these now. home sites. You might really like this one. There's only one on the cul-de-sac, two, three. What? I, I guess I'm getting at if they had the confidence to call, they were they liked it, and they they personally found value in what they were offering. These are all things like I would have to hype myself up for to to maybe mm-hmm. to do outbound calls. Like, oh, I I would go to this, or I would. This makes sense. I would want it to know. It sounds this like something. this is what we call a professional segue. It sounds like what you're Ooh. saying is that it's all about mentality. Um, it's all about uh, it. It's yeah. all about it. So Which, we'll get to that right this after this planned, quick word from our supporting partner, Opendoor. Opendoor is a digital real estate platform that helps you serve more customers with certainty, speed, and ease. As a builder, you can eliminate contingencies by giving your customer an instant home buyer on their current home so they can unlock the funds they need to buy their new home. Go to opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn more about how you can partner with Opendoor. All right. First up on the news, it's all about mentality. Thank you versus you're welcome. Jesse. You know, I just had this, I don't know, epiphany. I don't know what you would call it on a call one day where everybody was just kind of negative and that's kind of to be expected or mm-hmm. any shift, any dress, whatever. But it wasn't like, a mindset that was beneficial in any way. And so I'm like, why are you guys thinking like that? And I I maybe would have been in the same position if I was in the seat. So I'm not saying anything against all of these hardworking online sales specialists, but you got to shift your perspective. And what I mean by thank you versus you're welcome is like, you know, when you provide information or a piece of value, like I was talking about earlier to a customer, when you in the call, you're basically like, you're welcome. Like you're welcome for that information versus Thank you for the opportunity to connect with you. Now let me do my job by providing you that piece of information. And it probably was because of sheer volume. And now we're back down to normal or subnormal, you know, number of leads that are coming in. And we have to be very specific on how we're communicating with these leads, the place that we're coming from. And so it all starts with that mindset shift and just the way that we're communicating with them as like, Instead of, hey, when do you want to come out for an appointment? We have something in three weeks and you have to give us your family dog. And people were already accepting that. It's like, okay, what I do here, I am a customer advocate here at X Builder. My job is to provide you an unbiased opinion on the community of best fit and get you an informational session set up at our community. And immediately the mindset of the customer also shifts. Okay, this person's looking out for me. They're telling me what's next for me. And then from there, I, you know, kind of talk about other things that OSCs can be doing right now that all basically go back to stuff that we weren't yeah. doing in the I, past. I may be making this up full transparency, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> our original online sales process that we had at Heartland when Sarah Williams was, was our OSC, our first OSC there, that Mike helped us build out 
one of the initial emails, email number two or three, I'm almost positive said something about the fact that I don't make money from you or I'm not <laughs> like, I just am trying to help you find the, like it implicitly said or highly implied I'm an unbiased, not a salesperson. And mm -hmm. that's why you should respond to me because I'm just here to help. And I, I think that's something just strikes me as, as something that's not as overtly told to customers anymore. And why not? I mean, as a consumer, you assume yeah. when you're calling a number on a website that's on a landing page for a specific mm -hmm. community that that person is the sales rep. And when you think sales rep, you think they're going to try and sell me something. And so you go into shutdown mm -hmm. mode. And so every OSC or even a salesperson should have a quick 15 second spiel on sure. what they do for the builder and why they're a benefit to them. And so if you don't, if you're listening as an OSC and you don't have one, get one because it will make a world of difference. It's, I remember in part of mine, you know, I, I talked about how I handled information for all of our communities and all of our products. So immediately they don't think, okay, I'm no longer interested in happy acres community. Let me go back to the drawing board. They'd come back to me and ask me about the other, you know, community that we build in. Um, so it's yep. kind of a, a win-win for both sides. Yeah. I love it. Good job. Oh. Uh, link, link to the full article in the show notes. Like Jesse said, yeah. she's got several different talking points there that are definitely worth going through. If you're an OSC, manage an OSC or partner with an OSC to think about. Next up from builderonline.com, seven ways to prepare your team to sell in an uncertain market. As the market cools, builders are preparing sales teams for more normal selling conditions. I still, um, the, when someone says normal, I, I said this the other day on a call, uh, I can tell when someone uses the word normalize or normalize like the housing market or our market is normalizing. Then, then you, I can tell right now, if you use that word, that you are not trying to actively sell a home or buy a home yourself. Because if you're trying to do either one of those things, yeah, it's not normal yet. Like you can't, you cannot say things are normal um, just because volume might have decreased. That's not, the conversations are not the same conversations they were. The job to your article, Jesse, is not necessarily the same job or doesn't feel like the same job it was. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that being said, let's just, I'll, I'll make a small adjustment for more uh, challenging selling conditions, uh, maybe is more accurate, but I'll just read through them, all of them. And then you guys can tell me if you want to discuss any of them uh, briefly. Recognizing external versus internal urgency, financing refresh, like understanding how to talk about financing. Next steps are needed versus an immediate quick sale. Uh, actually forming connections, practicing sales skills, practicing role-playing, nurturing relationships with realtors. Wait a minute. I thought we told all them to take a hike and we're not paying <laughs> yeah. you anything. Uh, which was, to be clear again, never a recommendation to do you convert. It was always pick what is the fair number both now and what you think it will be when the market normalizes. I'm using air quotes because you don't want to have to be going back and forth. Just pick the right number and say, this yeah. is what we feel is fair for all time. Maintaining excellent customer service, even online, is the last one. And obviously, the last one sticks out uh, <laughs> to, yeah. to this crew. Yeah. That, one's, that one's obvious. I like number one. Um, to me, I'm, I'm trying to look at this, which was recognizing the, external versus internal urgency. Correct. Yeah. Through, through like the marketing angle, like we're, we're probably so used on the marketing side, responding to what sales wants and just being very, very reactive. And that one to me feels has a lot of opportunity and messaging and, 
and just how the site and copy is set up as far as like, oh, people are thinking so differently now. They don't have to do a move. They don't have to do anything right this moment. So then everything on the site needs to reflect their mindset. And are we there yet? Probably not. Or maybe like we the, just um, call to actions. It's a whole list. Yeah. I like the, the practicing sales skills. It's, it sounds so obvious, but the conversations that I've had with online sales and then the conversations that were being had at the Jeff Shore Summit for on-site sales were, we have forgotten how to do what we were trained to do originally. And that's too, I want to say no fault of our own. It is partially, but it's also not because we were just doing what we had to do. So it's super important to get back to all of those things. And um, Kevin and I were just on a call and they brought up like contract contingencies. And I was like, I have not heard that word in like two years. Yeah. And I even I, forgot about it. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> contingency? What does that mean? Yeah. So they probably haven't heard it either. So it's like, what do we need to do to get back to, it's like training uh, our customers to realize that the interest rates that there was, was not normal. The market that we were in was yeah. also not normal for sales yeah. agents. Well, and good salespeople always take feedback iterate, try something new, take the feedback, iterate. And that's, that's how great salespeople, they figure out what are the right things to say and the wrong things to say when they don't have a coach or someone helping them along the way, they'll do it naturally. But the challenge in a market like this is, do you want to take three weeks worth of traffic to figure out the right way to answer that objection? Do you really want to lose all that opportunity? Whereas before, you know, the, the numbers were there, like, it's like shooting free throws, you know, it, but, but if, if I tell you, you're only going to get a chance to, to do five warm up free throws. And then the next one, if you get it in is worth 10 grand, or I let you do all the training you want to. And that that's, I agree with you, Jesse, when I, and it's not even what we do. So, so we don't, we'd ever start this conversation, but if someone says like, well, what would that look like? Or what would it sound like? And I'll just make something up. They're like, that sounds so good can you just record that or email what, what that was? It only sounds good because we've, we've been doing variations of the same thing for 15 years. You know, the mm -hmm. objections are all still basically the same. The concerns that customers have are all. Um, so I, I agree with you, like having a difficult conversation or overcoming something that you haven't had to overcome, you better be practicing it. Out and loud. Out yeah. loud and controversially word for word, because it's not, you know, when you go to a concert, the performer knows the, but they also ad lib, they, they, they choose a different word or, and that's part of going to a live show versus hearing the recording. So you want to practice perfectly knowing that that's never how it's going to go in real life. And you're going to have to adapt and that's okay. You don't ding people because in a recorded call or whatever, they didn't say something word for word precise. Right. So I, I really think that's a, that's a huge one. And another reason why some builders are bringing back phonothons is at least, I mean, forced exposure therapy of talking to people over and over and over again. Is it fun? Is it motivating? That is some therapy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. But I tell you what, the seventh time you get hung up on, and then the eighth time you figure out how to get someone to not hang up on you and listen long enough. Like sometimes you that when we say put in the work, that's what we mean. Not not grind forever. Grind until you figure out the new iteration that makes you better, then you don't have to grind. Like you figured it out. You're not grinding forever. Yeah. Love that. Agreed.
All right. Next up, a little more lighthearted from TVinsider.com. Buy My House, a Netflix special, reveals premiere date for Shark Tank-esque real estate series. If you love Shark Tank and real estate, you won't want to miss Netflix's new series, Buy My House. September 2nd. In which case, a panel of four real estate tycoons, Redfin CEO Glenn Kelman, Corkin Group CEO Pamela Liebman, NFL linebacker Brandon Copeland, and investment property magnate Denisha Reitster will, um, in Shark Tank, Shark, Shark Tank fashion, <laughs> um, try to be convinced to purchase their home. Now, I have many, many, many questions. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, when do we think this first, you know, we all know how these are recorded, right? They recorded a whole, seri- a whole series in like two days or four, three days. Mm-hmm. When do we think this is recorded and will it match reality when it goes to air is the first question I had. Like if it was recorded um, right now, wouldn't everyone on the panel be like, <laughs> that's what you think your home is worth? No. Like I don't, that was the first thing that came to me is this is seems, seems highly cyclical in and of itself about yeah. would a show like this work. My thought is they have to be, I mean, this crazy looking house in the picture. Like I saw that. And then I'm like, it, it gave me the thought, but I'm like, these have to be just like bizarre houses. Like no one who wants, yeah. they're not going there. Like this is a four bedroom, three bath, 3,200 feet in a community. It's uh, 650. Neat. Right. Well, maybe yeah. that, maybe that would be on there, but like, oh, this is actually a great vacation home. It's close to a Disney so world. That makes me feel like this it. whole show could be like the first part of American Idol, which I haven't seen in forever. But to me, the most fun part of American Idol yeah. is always the terrible people and the judges yes. bringing them to reality. Mm-hmm. So part of me feels like this could just be a whole show about that, which realtors and people in real estate will love because it's going to be the buyer's expectation of I crafted this home. It's so special. And they're like, yeah, well, the comps don't express it. I'm going to get the original nothing. wallpaper. It's great. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it may, or my husband it's a big always mix. says it's worth what someone is willing to pay for it. And go. people don't think that way when they have like these weird houses or different houses. And so I'm interested too, Kevin, to see how things shifted, but they are all bizarre houses. So that, yeah, they're all my interest. And I am a shark tank person. So it needs I'll to be back. like a uh, Zillow gone wild. I'd, I'd assume probably half <laughs> of everyone listening follows that account by now, but it's like the most bizarre houses everywhere. There's one, was it like a month ago? It had the little jail and it looked like a cult leader owned it or something oh weird. It's crazy. Like that'd be fun to see. I don't know if you'd have who would be representing that home on, on the show, but yeah, September second is when it pops out on Netflix. I'll watch it. Oh yeah, that's why I built the theater in our basement the way it is, just for shows like that and House Hunters. So there you go. We're gonna report back for sure. Next up from SearchEngineLand.com, Jesse. I know you're very excited about this. Google has yeah, released. Jesse, take this one. A simple centralized tag solution. The new Google tag is an expansion and rebrand of the existing global site tag. It will require less coding and new capabilities. Wow. That's a bunch Andrew? of, that's a bunch of <laughs> everything, doctor? isn't it? Ooh. So if remember correctly to use GA4, Google analytics Four, you have to have G tag. So now this is like new updated version of G tag. Although Google is great. If you don't update <laughs> now, It'll still work. It's amazing. So you don't, there's no sense of urgency on this. Unlike Facebook where it breaks, you have to fix it right then. But I'm not sure we'll be able to take advantage of too many of the features just because we don't have the data that say e-commerce has, where there's Mm -hmm. all these micro events all over the place that actually do signify something. 
Like that's my favorite. This is my shopping list. This is my wish list. This is my add to cart. This is my almost yeah. checkout. We just don't have that data that other other people will have. But this is a good reminder. If you are not using G tag on your site, you should get that updated because you'll need it for GA4. I wish there's an easy way for everyone to check that, but you have to be like slightly nerdy to be able to check I, it on to your me, own. To me, the, to the developer. The main point here is Google is going to continue to try to make this transition to GA4 as easy as possible. Yes. And also my money is still on an extension of their deadlines. You know, they just, they just kicked the can down the road on removing the use of cookies entirely. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, So so if they can't make this easy enough for enough people to implement, they're going to lose billions of dollars. So they're either going to keep making these tools easier for people to use, or they're going to delay the requirements to switch over. That, that to me is the, like the inside baseball They'll always be overlap with Google. That's that is the best part, unless it truly is. Well, that we won't get super in the details. Universal tag versus G tag. That was years ago that they did the change. So, like, if you're still in the universal tag, that's like okay, that's 2017, 2016, I believe, like way back when. Uh-huh. So, all right, and last up from BBC.com: Conjoined twins separated with the help of virtual reality. Oh. So this snuck in here, uh, you know, we have many different Slack channels. I'm, I'm still not certain if this is, uh, was supposed to be in like the, Hey, this is interesting or this is podcast worthy, but it's in, it made the show notes. So, yeah, um, it's amazing. It is amazing. amazing. So the the images here in, in the article show the, the connection of these two twins conjoined twins and it's, you know, uh, top of head to top of head. Uh, eyebrow into middle of head kind of, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And what they were able to use was you know, virtual reality with a purpose. And maybe that's why this, this got in here is specific use cases um, to be able to see what you were going to be doing in surgery to practice, to look yes. at it from perspectives and take the time to consider things, looking at it from that virtual view Whereas you can't, once, once you start cutting your, you know, the clock is ticking, you've, you've got to move. And I think that parallel to me with, with how is AR and VR going to work with real estate? There is some parallel there of, you know, not everyone's a conjoined twin. Not quite. So so it's, it's not saying because of this, it's a ubiquitous use case for all surgeries everywhere all the time. You know, something that's incredibly routine or easy to perform it might be overkill or unnecessary, but, but on the margin, which margin matters more now than it used to consumers wanting to use technology to experience spaces in augmented or virtual reality is likely to continue to grow. It's kind of the hype cycle thing of it was everything that's nothing. It just means that the next time around, it's going to be more useful than the last time. Yeah, I, th- I think what's interesting, so it says the team spent months trialing techniques using virtual reality projections. So essentially they did surgeries on these twins for months to figure out how it works. Um, I, and so the margins, I think, push the mainstream, just like how I think uh, NASA and space pushes things that are normal, like Velcro came from space exploration. This, I could see this application going for home as far as home design. Imagine if they could have like, okay, we have 10,000 people that are going to walk through this kitchen and they'll find the friction points of like, oh, if we only have 30 inches between the fridge and the island and you simulate a dog 
going between you while you're in there or a kid going by, you're like, oh, you have to pause for like a second because you don't want to mm-hmm. slam the kid with the refrigerator. I'm just thinking things in our house that are friction based on design. Like you could end up with this perfect floor plan where if someone walks it and you, the builder, had money in this development, you're like, our homes truly are better because we there's been 4 million people that went through this kitchen and we took their feedback and now we tweaked it. We took this six inches this way, this way, this way. So I think there's, that's where I think the opportunity could be to make these spaces better in our homes. Just this is where design. I took it. It said for the first time ever, surgeons in separate countries wore headsets and operated yeah, in the crazy. same virtual reality, which makes me think people from different states will still buy a home from you in a different location if you know how to communicate with them. So if you can mm-hmm. do surgery yeah. from a different location, you can sell a home. Yeah, right. A home. Yeah. Right. Does anyone, um, Kevin, do you have the Oculus Quest 2? Uh, I think so. That's the new one. Then it's the newest one. Yeah. My, my oldest is, has used one. He's never used the Oculus, the um, Oculus Go, I think is mm, the, mm-hmm. the less expensive he never, the less expensive one. But he used this one. He's like, it's amazing, dad, da, 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 and all the stuff. And he's like, anyone from a birthday? I'm like, oh, goodness. Okay. But it's interesting, like his age group, they, everyone wants that. Of course, they have a PS5 already, all that. They're spoiled. But his age group, fifth grade, they're talking about the Oculus Quest and playing games on that versus Fortnite and versus. Well, Minecraft they don't care about their personal privacy yet, Andrew. They don't know to be mad about know. all of the evils of of Meta and what you know. They're that's true. And but I, I think, I think to me, I've, I'm sharing on the screen for Jesse and Andrew and I to look at together. But there's a company called uh, Entry N T R Y. Uh, the URL is, is ntrygta.com, and uh, GTA stands for Greater Toronto Area. Not Grand Theft Auto. Sure. Yeah, but they're using <laughs> Unreal, I believe, the Unreal Engine, and to basically make a Grand Theft Auto experience of yeah. Toronto. And the idea is, it's a it's a one to one mirror. It's a digital world that mirrors the physical world as closely as possible. That is crazy. So if you were going to, let's say, Jesse, you just were told you and your husband have to leave the beautiful Low Country and move to Toronto in forty five days. Hey. This would allow you to not just see the home in a three-dimensional space, but to experience traffic in real time Mm -hmm. in a virtual space, the walkability, how crowded the streets are. These are all things that they monitor. Weather conditions. So when you, whenever you go into this virtual space, it is mirroring as closely as possible what the physical world is actually doing. It's a matrix. That's just mind-blowing. I mean, looking at this, it looks real enough. Of course, mm-hmm. but to somebody who doesn't look at this stuff on the regular, this looks like you're looking at a real live screening of the area. Yeah. And again, what I think yeah. is interesting is it's not going to show you just an idealized version of it. It's saying if the traffic at Main Street and 3rd sucks right now, and this you're is your stuck. typical rush time, and you want to see what's rush hour like on my way home, if I was going to live in this area, it's going to show you that mirrored reality. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. With That's your cool. Oculus Quest. With, or, with whatever you're, or just with I a web know. browser, right? Just, just yeah. you don't even need to install anything. Like, like you're gaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would it show my goats in my backyard? But, mm, the goats. <laughs> Not yet. Did you get more goats, by the <laughs> way? Did you get? I sure did. Oh, my goodness. How many why goats is, are this necessary? This is the story of days. the year. Well, Kevin, I haven't are found that out yet. Are you addicted? Okay. They're really cute. That, but but I, I did hear you mention that they're cute when they're little, 
not as cute when they get older. So is that why you just keep getting more is the older ones are now not cute and you need more cute ones? You know, I haven't figured it out, <laughs> but I only have four. I think anymore. And you I live on a couple acres. They're, they really do serve a purpose. They are here to clear out the land, but they're really cute while they're here. So yeah, maybe hey, they'll gonna, show up. Uh, we have a question of the week quickly to go through, but I also have a joke of the week. My friend, Robert O'Shaughnessy, who runs marketing, I forget where he is these days. He's, he lives in the Bay Area. He is with um, OE Communications, previously with Higher Ground and I think New Ground Graphic Language. He's, he's been around the block, but he posted on LinkedIn, um, I'm looking for help reaching a human at Google who can help with some challenges on a new client's account. They made a mistake. The account was suspended, trying to fix it help me Google. And I just replied thoughts and prayers, my friend. Good luck. There's the joke Ooh, of the week. That's two jokes. Um, uh, the question of the week is pretty straightforward. Um, cause the majority of the builders that we work with had more leads in July than June, the, ma the majority. Uh, so I was just curious and our whole, um, cadre of listeners and, and people in the Facebook group, what their experience was. And so the question was lead counts in July compared to June, where are you at? And it almost dead even, 47% said they had more leads in June than July, and 52% said more leads in July than June. That's with roughly 40 votes in as of uh, from this posting it this morning, so more over time. But um, it was closer than I was expecting. I think when you look at our aggregate data set, lead volume, definitely, like website traffic is the last 15 days has been on par with the last 15 days of April and lead counts in the same time period is only down like 6%. I mean, since the end of really after the 4th of July, website traffic volume and lead volume has nationally been trending higher. So I was surprised that it was close as it was, but um, a lot of people saying they're very similar, but if you had to, you know, black and white, which one's better, basically 50, 50 right now. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. And be sure to send your industry related questions or non hey, any question to show at doyouconvert.com and we'll touch on them in an upcoming episode. We'll see you next time. See you. Adios. Marketproof Marketing is proudly supported by Open Door. Visit opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn how you can partner with Open Door to increase certainty, speed, and ease for your home buyers. All opinions expressed by me. Andrew Peek, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. View hundreds of articles, videos, and more for free at doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on social networks or in real life. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.